Good morning. Good morning. I have my own Bible, so I'm just going to put this one here. Well, as Pastor Cody said, this summer we are reviewing the Ten Commandments, and we're doing a certain formula, so there's a picture up here, will be a picture up here, of how we're going about it. We're going to be talking about the Old Testament context, then we're going to cross this imaginary bridge to the New Testament and how Jesus transformed that commandment, and then we're going to talk about how it applies to us today. I didn't have time. I wanted to build a bridge so I could walk over it and then build a little time machine so we could travel to today, but I didn't have time to do that. But don't worry, I will travel across the stage because I'm a visual movement learner, so we'll do that in a little bit. But if you're anything like me as we're studying the Ten Commandments, you may have become a little overwhelmed because um, we've been also reading a story about Timmy, and just like Timmy, I have realized myself, it, like, oh, I follow that commandment pretty well, and as we keep going, I'm like, wow, I fail at that every day of my life, and that is one reason that each week we also sing Amazing Grace, because though we are undeserving to be called children of God, we're blessed through his grace that we can be called his children through Jesus Christ. So that's a blessing, but it, it can become overwhelming, which is why we need to remember our motivation. So if you were here when we went over the prologue of the Ten Commandments, you know that we are not, um, salvation is not a reward, but a reason for obeying the Ten Commandments. So that's a phrase Pastor Cody said, salvation is not a reward but the reason we obey, and isn't that a blessing? We can't earn God's approval or his love. We have done nothing to do so, but Christ has done it all. And because of that amazing grace, we should be motivated to do our best to obey our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to read those, that prologue. It's just in Exodus 20, verse 1. It says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He had already saved his people, and then he gave them instructions to live in obedience. Same with us. We cannot follow God completely on our own, only through the power of the Spirit. So once we are saved, we live out of obedience. And we also have a phrase that we're reviewing this summer. In fact, I'm going to fix this little symbol here because it got tilted. But when we look at the Ten Commandments, instead of becoming overwhelmed with the amount of times we break them, we should instead... Um, turn to Jesus as we see our sins, which is what this symbol right here means. Turn to Jesus, and then it's an example of how we should love God and love others. So instead of being come, becoming overwhelmed with how much we sin, let that motivate us to turn to Jesus, the one who's taking care of sin, and then be instructed well of how to love God and love others. So before we talk about the third commandment today, let's again because we know that we all need it and I definitely do so Lord we are so thankful for what you're doing in Alaska Lord that your spirit is not bound to a certain place or location but you are omnipresent Lord we thank you for that opening song and we truly do say do what you want to this morning in my life through these words in our hearts and our minds Lord and we're so thankful that you're so gracious with us because we do fail we're so unworthy of your goodness, Lord, but we can turn to Christ. Thank you that you allow us to strive to walk in obedience to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Okay, so before I actually read the third commandment, I'm going to give you a little bit of context, and the question we're going to answer is, what is so important about a name? Okay, so first of all, the commandment, if you haven't caught on yet, is do not use the Lord's name in vain, or do not misuse the Lord's name. You might be thinking, okay, what does that exactly mean? What's so, what's the, the big deal about a name? First of all, it's important that we remember it's not a mystical order of letters, okay? So that's important to realize because we always say often in church, Jesus or God or the Lord, there's power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there absolutely is, but because of who he is, not because the letters have magical powers, okay? It's not J-E-S-U-S in and of itself, right? Maybe someone else's name is Jesus. It doesn't carry the same power, same letters, but there's nothing mystical about that. But the important thing we need to know is that a name refers to his character. So that's the next point up there. And I have a little um, example of this. So names remind us of character. So my full name is Luke Taylor Morris. I was named after the missionary Hudson Taylor, who was the first, um, one of the modern missionaries to China. And I have someone named after me. And his name is Jackson Taylor. We have a picture. Okay, you can kind of see. This is my nephew, my sister's third son. And because he's named after me, I don't know if he truly is a lot like me, but everything he does, I think, oh, he's just like me because we have the same middle name. Okay, so here's two examples. And my sister, I think, thinks that too. So on the right here, this is him. This is actually, I got this picture on Thursday. He got like a prize from Chuck E. Cheese or something. And he picked these silly glasses and he put them on and right away he says, Mom, we got to show Uncle Elmo. That's what they call me. And um, so I was like, oh, Jackson Taylor, of course. He's just like me. He shares my name. We are practically the same person. And believe it or not, I have a pair of glasses like this at my desk and I send him a picture right back, okay? So the character of Jackson Taylor sharing the same name is similar, right? It holds a special place. Also, the next picture, he lined up his car toys, and he's pretty particular that they have to be in a straight line, and you cannot mess them up. Believe it or not, when I was about the same age, we lived in Tennessee, and I had a bucket of toys. I'd line them all up in a straight line along the fireplace. So that's just an example of how a name can carry a character, right? A name that was passed on. We like to seek similarities between that. Um, next, we know that a name has power. Okay, I've watched a lot of kids in my life, and there's certain things you learn when you're watching children. If I were to say, just do this, and they are not having it, you know what name I often will use? Mom. Ooh, there's power there, isn't there? Okay, so you're like, oh, um, you need to do this. Oh, yeah, you think I need to do this might be the response. Oh, that, that doesn't do well with me, but sometimes you just have to say, your mom told me to tell you you have to do this. And now it doesn't always work, but there is power in that name, and if nothing else, you say, well, I'll tell your dad when he gets home, okay? <laughs> and then you're like, Ugh. I always told on myself before dad got home because he had a heavier hand than mom, so... But there's power in names, right? Names hold power, whether good or bad. So it's not a mystical setting of letters, but there is something that goes along with a name that has character, and there's power in names. And this 
these truths are even more magnified in the Old Testament culture. Okay, so that's important. And speaking of Old Testament culture, we're going to go to this side of the stage because this is our imaginary Old Testament land. Okay, so I'm going to read the actual commandment, Exodus 20, verse 7. It says in the NIV translation, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Right, we're going to talk about this, because if you're anything like me, like I said before, you're saying, okay, I don't, from a young age, I've been trained not to say, use the Lord's name as a curse word or as an exclamation in any way that's improper, right? Maybe you're like, I'm pretty good at this. I got this. Ooh, uh, a week where I get a little pass. Uh, not true. <laughs> not true. It wasn't true for me. I've been, like, ripped apart internally all week long because... I realize that's not true. So in the Old Testament, there's actually many implications for this. We're going to just kind of breeze through these. Okay, first of all, it is being blasphemous or cursing God's name. We see this in Leviticus 24, 10 through 16. You might want to write that down. You could read that story later. But um, there's a young person who uses God's name incorrectly. And actually, it's really interesting. In that story, they don't even really say the name of God. They say the name because they want to use such respect for who God is. They say they said the name in blasphemy. And there was a high consequence for that. That man got stoned to death. He was removed from the, the um, community and everyone who heard it had to lay hands so they knew that they were guiltless in his presence and then they killed him outside the camp. A high consequence for using the Lord's name in an improper way. So that was kind of showing irreverence to God. That's what that context meant. But then we see in Leviticus 19.12 that you cannot use God's name wrongfully under oath. So this was common in the Old Testament culture specifically. We do it in our culture today too. We might, you know, we put our hand on the Bible to promise in the um, court system. But they would always try to promise on something higher than themselves. So... That was a commandment. Do not promise on God's name if you are not intending to keep that promise. That would be breaking the third commandment. Another example would be false prophecy. I liked this quote as I was studying. It said, to use someone's name is the equivalent of having their power of attorney in the Old Testament. To speak on someone's behalf, it's like literally speaking on their behalf. You are speaking their words. And to claim prophecy on God's behalf and then not be speaking God's words is a huge um, sin now and then. And it, Jeremiah um, 23 is a whole chapter of the high consequences that will bring. I'm actually just going to read a little section of that. This is Jeremiah 23, 21, and 22. It says, God speaking, I did not send these prophets, yet they have run their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they will, would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get a little convicted. These people claim to be speaking on God's behalf, and God said, I did not give them these messages. But if they would have spent time in my presence, they would have heard what I had to say to these people. Okay? A huge warning there. Do not speak on God's behalf if you are not sure that they are God's words. It's another way we see it. 
Then there's a specific point in Leviticus, um, Leviticus 18.21, where there's a warning against using God's name in vain, specifically to sacrificing children to Malek, which was a false god of the uh, Amalites. I think that's right. Is that right? Perfect. I think I said that right. The Amalites. And it was specifically um, claiming a false god as a true god. So that is another way in which we cannot um, use the Lord's name in vain or misuse it. And then the last kind of little way, not little way, the last way in which this is referenced in the Old Testament is unlawfully touching holy things. So there was a warning against um, Aaron's descendants, so Aaron the priest, that they could not touch anything if they were ceremonially unclean themselves that was um, set apart for God's purposes because that would defile the name of God. Okay, so that is like a really fast, really big overview of Old Testament understanding of the third commandment. Do you kind of get it? A little bit. Oh, good. I like head nods or thumbs up. Last time I was here, we did the thumbometer, so responses is good. But now we're going to just take this little bridge. See it? I'm walking this way over to the New Testament. Okay, you there with me? And we're going to see because Jesus amplifies or transforms all of these commandments. So these are true, kind of contextualized to their culture specifically. And then we're over here, and Jesus transformed these or kind of magnifies them. So we see this actually multiple places. We could have gone a bunch of places in the New Testament where this specifically could have been found. But we're just going to go two places this morning, specifically Matthew 5, 33, and 37. <clears throat> I'm going to read that. And there's also a similar passage, if you want to write this down for your notes sake, in James 5, 12, specifically talking about vows or making promises, okay? So we're going to be in Matthew 5, 33. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make your, even your own hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So this is a really interesting passage. I remember, well, pretty much until this week, you're like, okay, yes, just be truthful. Be truthful. We don't need to use God's name to swear or make a promise. But as I was studying this, it's really interesting because I didn't realize, like, don't even make a promise about the land or by heaven or earth. And this is um, from Edmund P. Clowney, one of the books that we're using to study um, the Ten Commandments this summer as pastors. He says, the implications seem to be that if the name of God is dwelling in a believer by the Spirit, then the believer's words should be as good as God's and need no extra swearing. The testimony of a believer should be backed up in his godliness by the testimony of God himself. In short, a believer's words and character should be as trustworthy as those of the living God. But Jesus' point is that God's name is a living reality with implications, one very area of the life of his own people. One very area of the life of his I don't know what that last sentence means. But the truth is, this is really important to know. 
it's not just the swearing. It's like we are called to live by word and character in such a way that we wouldn't need to swear by God because we're reflecting him already with the way we live. Okay, now we're starting to wait a little bit, aren't we? Thank you, Miss Carrie. You are agreeing with me. I love that. It's true. It's not just, okay, I don't use God's name in a curse word. It's so much more than that. Are our lives matching up? And then I, this was brought to my attention as I was reading and praying. I thought of Matthew 12, 22 through 37, where Jesus was working and the Pharisees, you know, those people who follow the rules, who probably didn't say God's name as a curse word because they were like top-notch people who followed the rule as best they could, but maybe had the wrong heart condition. Yeah, they, those people, the ones who follow the rule, they said that Jesus was working on behalf of Satan himself. They claimed that he was healing um, in the name of Satan. And Jesus called them out. He said, you brood of vipers, because he knew their, knew their heart condition. And he knew why they were doing these things. They weren't doing them to make God's name truly famous. It was to puff them up. Okay? Also, another convicting um, aspect. Pharisees, yes. So that's the Old the New Testament, okay? That's the New Testament. Jesus claims for his people not just to not use God's name unlawfully as an oath. He says, your lives must match up what you claim to follow, who you claim to follow, and what he's doing in your life. And that is a heart condition and character condition. Now we're going to enter a little time machine and come 2019 to 2019, 2019. Here we go. Look at our little city. We don't have tall buildings like that in Rice Lake, but that's okay. So now we're in modern day, and these, um, we're going to go three sounds. They're not all Fs because one's a PH, but that's okay. They're all sounds. The first one is how, so this, these are practical ways in which we should follow this commandment today. We should not use God's name falsely. That's number one, okay? So what does that mean? Falsely. Well, that means, like the Old Testament prophets, we should not speak on behalf of God as though we're claiming that it's his words. We might see this, perhaps, in politics, personal plans, church campaigns, own agenda, and relationships. So here's a personal story in which this has been very detrimental in my own life. I was in college, okay, freshman year of college, there was this girl, her name was Megan, I was pretty convinced I was going to marry her, okay? Pretty convinced that, <laughs> guess what, you know where the story's going, okay? I was pretty convinced I was going to marry her, I had met her when I visited the college, and I just had this feeling, ah, this is your future wife, and I was like, okay, I could do that, you know, okay? So, freshman year, started happening, I'll make this I could make this really dramatic and funny, but I'll try to keep it short. Anyway, long story short, she did start dating someone else soft, uh, November of my freshman year, but then they broke up, and then I thought, okay, now's my time. And I'd been praying about this. This is a big deal. Actually, this would have been, well, she was my first girlfriend eventually, but this is the first girl I was, like, pursuing. So I was like, okay, here we go. So I was very prayerful about the whole situation, and we have this meaning, Christian culture, especially Christian college culture, it's not always normal, so yes, 
We like talked on a Monday, made a meeting for Friday where we were like gonna talk about who knows what, okay? So it was very strange and not healthy, but she used such God language in our conversation and it ended up turning me down, which is okay, but it was very detrimental. The turning me down was very okay. The, the detriment part was she said, I really feel as though this, God's not leading me to date you at this time. And that was really confusing to me as a person who had also been seeking the Lord and had been pursuing and praying. And I'm going to tell you what, especially you single people out there, typically if you're pursuing someone who wants to also pursue the Lord, you kind of already put them on a pedestal. And so I already thought she was much more spiritual than me. And in every way, and then she claimed that God's will was for us not to get together. And I remember going back and be like, I really thought that I was also pursuing the Lord and seeking the Lord. It really kind of, I, for a week, I was really discouraged and just questioning a lot of things because she claimed to be speaking on behalf of God. And through my college experience, I was an RA later, and I just gave a lot of counsel to guys and girls, both, that even if you truly believe, I mean, that Megan was her name. She the Lord really might have been um, cautioning her to not date me, although she did come crawling back two years ago. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, <laughs> that was not needed to be said. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it was really detrimental, and I just cautioned them, even if you truly believe, that's okay. That can be a personal relationship with you and God, but be very cautious to speak those things. And we see that in politics, even church campaigns. Kevin DeYoung um, saying during a church campaign, he's always cautious not to say that God has um, spoken these things to them to move forward, but we feel as though God is leading and we will pursue the doors that have opened. So just being really cautious with the way we claim that God is moving, because sometimes our feelings get way close to feeling like the Holy Spirit's moving in a certain way. So that's one thing, falsely. Our own agenda, church plans, personal plans, relationships, don't use God's name falsely. And that, I'm going to be honest, you guys, after we have worship towards the end, because I think we're going to have to do a lot of reflecting and asking the Lord to see in which ways we're breaking the third commandment. So the second one is don't use God's name frivolously. Okay, that's a kind of funny word. Some of you kids might not know what that means, but that means carelessly, like without care. Don't use it carelessly. And we see this in different ways. Maybe thoughtless prayers. Have you ever prayed? and said God's name, and you're not even thinking about who he is. You're just like, oh, we always pray before meals. So, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your son, Jesus. But you have no heart connection at all. Remember how Jesus checked the Pharisee's heart? Don't use his name for your, just a frivolous prayer because that's a pattern of your life. Or this would involve cursing. Don't curse with the Lord's name. Or personal profit. Or even joking. This is one thing where I have been convicted even this week, is sometimes growing up in the Christian culture, there are certain things that are really funny. And so sometimes you say something and you might use the Lord's name in a careless way because it is part of the punchline. And do I really want to tie God's name to a punchline? It's really something that we need to think about because he is a truly holy, awesome God and he's not a punchline, you know? And I think oftentimes we use those things because it's funny or because it's part of our church culture. I do have um, a little, speaking of comedy, we do have a little clip of how sometimes we do pray in a frivolous way using God's name. Let's take a look at this. 
Some people, like when they pray, they get nervous and they say just too much. You know, you pray in small groups, like, like Lord, I just, I just, we just, we just come to justice. Just, we just, just, and justliness and justification. And just, we just, and we just, and you're like, just finish the prayer. You're just not ready for this. Start stacking chairs. Come back next week and try again. My dad does this when he prays. He uses father way too much when he prays. Father, we come to your father in the spirit of father. Father, you are father. We come to your father. Father, just, just, father, father, just, 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 father, father. You don't talk to your friends like that. Ed, Ed, come over, Ed, 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 Ed. You are Ed, 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 Ed. Ooh, Ed, 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 Ed. He wouldn't be your friend anymore if you did that. Like he keeps saying, Ed, my name's Joe. Okay, that's just a little funny clip, but it is challenging, and I, I think it's challenging to me. Thankfully, we have a Heavenly Father, remember, who's gracious, because some of us might get nervous, and that might be a nervous habit that we might be prayerfully breaking. But it is important when we say God's name, we should be thoughtful of who he is. If you say Father every word, and you're truly meaning, wow, you're overwhelmed that God is your Heavenly Father, awesome. But most of the time, I feel like we just say his name over and over and over again because we don't know what else to say and we want to fill some dead space. I'm guilty of that. I don't do well with dead space, okay? So just we have to be thoughtful. We cannot use God's holy name carelessly or frivolously. And the last, which is the most convicting to me, is we can't be phony, okay? So false, frivolous, or phony. And that means that we can't, use God's name to worship. Oftentimes, Pastor Cody says, we worship worship, okay? We can't use God's name and falsely praise his name just to receive a feeling unless we are truly giving attribute and praise and worship to the holy God. An ungodly character. This is where I was most convicted this week. I claim to love and follow and be united with a holy, awesome God. But so often my thoughts or my words or the way I react or what I do with my time does not give glory to him. And I was like, wow, Lord, that's really convicting. I don't ever want to claim to follow you and then my life not line up with you. And that's one way in which I think we all need, first of all, to turn to Christ because we cannot do that on our own. Can you imagine living this life perfectly? No, we can't do it. So it should bring us to our knees because our God deserves to be loved with all that we are. Every word that is spoken, every minute that we're awake or asleep, and every relationship we have. And that's how we can love others as well. And so I hope that this commandment, what we're called to do out of love for God, makes us think that we would never use God's name, not because they're magically placed in a certain order, but because of what that name bears, and that is our creator of the universe who is completely perfect, removed from anything, perfect in every way, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent God. That's what his name carries. May we not use it ever to bash him or his character. We're going to hear a little part of Timmy's story and see how he learned about the third commandment this week in Spice Lake. Chapter 4, 
Summer was now in full swing, which means the bottom of the feet were gaining more tolerance to the hot driveways and the pebbled grass. Eating popsicles in the heat of the afternoon is more a pattern than a surprise treat. This also meant that Timmy had already had two baseball practices with the Spice Lake Salamanders. He loved it. The coach, Coach Mark, was super kind and super encouraging. Plus, Timmy knew him from church as he would lead large group on Sunday school once a month. Bryce, his best friend, was also on the team, which made everything even more exciting, as if that wasn't enough. Timmy was asked to be one of the main pitchers for the team, which was the position he had been hoping for. Yes, you could say that all the months of waiting anticipation were well worth it. Timmy could tell that this was going to be the perfect baseball season. Well, almost perfect. You see, there was one thing, or one person really, that was stopping Timmy's Spice Lake Salamanders from perfection, and that was Glenn. Glenn had been at the same school and was in the same grade as Timmy, but he was in Mrs. Gorber's class, not in Miss Sterling's class. But Timmy knew enough about Glenn to know he really didn't want him on the baseball team. Glenn was quieter and didn't talk to others a whole lot. He never seemed to have clean hair or clean clothes. Timmy actually was really surprised he signed up for baseball as he didn't even do it during recess and was always by himself under the tree just drawing with a stick in the dirt. Even after the first two practices, it became clear that Glenn may have never even touched a baseball. When he threw the ball, he almost threw it with no grip, and the ball would go in every direction but where it needed to. And when the time came for him to catch the ball, he would just stick out his glove, close his eyes, that is, if he didn't trip before he made it where he thought the ball might land. Yes, Glenn was going to hold back Spice Lake Salamanders, and everyone knew it. It was now Tuesday, and Mr. Taborski pulled up to the Spice Lake Community Baseball Fields as the Spice Lake Salamanders practice was wrapping up. Timmy and Bryce piled into the car after the team huddle, where Coach Mark had given them three things they did well and one thing they needed to change for the practice next Thursday. As the boys opened the door and piled in the back seat, Mr. Taborski asked the question, how was practice, boys? Timmy let out a big sigh, and once his seatbelt clicked in place, he said, great, except someone can't seem to catch a single ball. Bryce piped in, too. Oh, my, it was so bad. It's like he has butterfingers or something. Tim and Bryce went on for a minute or so. It started with complaining about Glenn's lack of talent, and then became just plain mean comments about Glenn. Mr. Taborski finally said, all right, boys, that's enough. And then he stated, hey, Bryce, would you like to join us for dinner? I can call your parents and see if we could just drop you off afterwards. Timmy then piped up, oh, yeah, please, and ask if I can spend the night too. Mr. Taborski chuckled at Timmy's excitement. He can't spend the night tonight, but I'll see if Friday will work or the next week when I call. Tim and Bryce looked at each other and then motioned with the fist-elbow motions. They said, yes, 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 over and over again. Bryce's parents had agreed for him to stay for dinner. Bryce was a little bit more pickier eater than Timmy or his sibling, so Mrs. Traborski 
had a special plate of non-seasoned taco meat just for Bryce. As dinner wrapped up, it was time for family devotions. Mr. Taborski told Bryce that they were going through the Ten Commandments this summer as a family. This wasn't weird for Bryce because he and his family loved Jesus and attended the same church as the Taborskis. Mr. Taborski asked Mrs. Taborski to read the commandment this week. If you recall, Mrs. Taborski was a librarian, so she was used to reading out loud and had a sweet, clear tone, which she did. So she read Exodus 20, verse 7. Sorry, Luke, I won't have the female voice to do this in here. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. After she read, Rose Marie piped in with a question, what does misuse mean? Mr. Taborski responded with a much patient than last week and said, well, if you hear the word use in there, but miss is before it. So it means any time we use God's name in a wrong way. Timmy was pretty smug with himself and thought, finally, a commandment I've been keeping as he's been trained to never use God's name in any form or fashion as a curse word or a form of exclamation his whole life. He even felt confident enough to speak up. Well, I think we all follow that commandment really well. Jonathan agreed quickly. Yeah, me too. But their dad tilted his head toward Timmy and, and asked, Hmm, do you? Timmy responded, this time with a little less confidence based upon the way his dad asked the question. Well, yeah, I mean, you've always taught us not to say God's name in a wrong way. I'm so glad that's true. But there's more to this command than just not using God's name incorrectly, he said. He went on to explain that if we claim to be God's children, we are called to a high standard. That when we repent of our sins and turn to Jesus as Savior and Lord, then not only do we bear God's image, but we are to do our best to reflect his character. Yes, we have to be careful not to use God's name improperly, but we are also, we cannot use it carelessly or without thought. And we are even commanded not to claim to follow God and do something that would not please him. Mr. Taborski showed a couple of places in the New Testament where Jesus clearly showed that this commandment deals with more than just saying God's name as a curse word. It has to deal with the heart and one's actions. Timmy still, still felt pretty thorough that he followed this commandment pretty well. After all, he was really obedient to all authority and never cheated at school. They prayed and cleaned up after the meal and the table. Once the table was cleared, Mr. Barsky said, it's time for Bryce to go back home, and Timmy went with them. As they went out of the driveway, his dad said, so boys, are there ways you feel like you've been struggling to keep this commandment we talked about tonight? Before Timmy could say anything, Bryce, in a guilty tone, said yes. Timmy was shocked. Bryce continued, as you explain what the commandment meant, I couldn't help to think that we did not represent God well the way we talked about Glenn earlier today. Timmy all of a sudden felt like a rock at the bottom of his stomach. He hadn't thought of that. Mr. Taborski replied in a gentle voice, Wow, Bryce, I'm really glad that God showed you that. I do believe you are right. Boys, what you said earlier was truly unkind 
And honestly, you shouldn't say those words, and you sounded like bullies. God created Glenn, and your words do not reflect God's heart at all. I know both of you made a decision to follow Jesus, and because of that, you have to watch your words. People should know God more after interacting with you, not want less to do with God because of your behavior. Please know that we all have ways in which we need to work on obeying God and keeping his name holy. I even have to think that I need to be careful of my attitude at work. As I know, I too often represent God and his name all the time. For the rest of the drive, Timmy's dad led them in prayer. First thanking God for the grace and patience he had with his children. Then asking forgiveness in the ways they misuse and misrepresent God's name. And then finally asking help from the Holy Spirit to be obedient to God in all ways. Timmy and Bryce agreed with every word that was prayed. And Timmy could already feel his frustration with Glenn melting away. Maybe his Spice Lake Salamander's experience would be the best he had ever had. It's kind of silly, but I get choked up because I am Timmy. And I want to reflect my father in a way that gives him glory. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. And we've specifically chosen a couple songs to start this time of our service to be reflective. The first song is Come to the Altar. And I just want to challenge you. We need to go to the altar before the Lord and ask for confession and forgiveness for using his name in ways that might bring our own selves profit or that don't bring him glory. And then we're going to sing Amazing Grace because that's true. We have a gracious Father who has allowed us to be called his children even though we are unworthy. And then we're going to sing some songs that proclaim who God truly is. And I just want to challenge you, allow the Spirit to direct your heart and your mind so that we can truly worship how great and powerful our God truly is. 